You're watching Meet the Movie Press, and coming up, we're going to be talking about Captain Marvel, Will Smith voicing the genie in Aladdin, and the future of James Bond. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Meet the Movie Press. Good morning, Simon. Morning, Jeff. How are you? I'm good, buddy. How are you? I'm good. You got through the uh, the live interpretation of uh, Creed outside the office then this morning. Dude, yeah. Crazy. Crazy, uh, crazy. guys punch up shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm, by the way, I'm taking that to Sundance. I'm going to film it on my phone and I'm taking it to Sundance. How are you? Uh, good, man. Good. <laughs> Busy yeah. week. Had a, had, a, had a nice 420 yesterday. Nice. I know, I know you, you like to celebrate that holiday. I do. It's my favorite <laughs> weed-based holiday um, of the year. Uh, yeah, I feel like all the holidays are weed-based holidays well, they for should me. Be. They should uh, be. Anyways, I am Jeff Snyder, editor-in-chief mm. of the tracking board, tracking-board.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at the Snyder. With me, as always, Simon Thompson. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter, at Sherby Simon. And there's a Facebook page. This is Simon Thompson. Simon, so check that out. Let's- like it. Let's talk about uh, yeah. our experience at Marvel this week. So, yes. So you didn't do the, the whole rigmarole. I did not. I was okay. not invited to the whole rigmarole. I had to fight to get myself invited. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and maybe now that they, uh, they regret it. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I wrote a really nice uh, piece about my time at Marvel. Listen, I really, I really like uh, mm. the people up at Disney and Marvel. I really like... Um, the offices are fantastic, aren't they? Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's really great. Cool. And they put on a good show. I just mm-hmm. I, li- I like the whole team up there. Uh, and so they had a whole bunch of journalists. They gave us uh, a tour through Marvel. We saw like the art department. Mm-hmm. We saw post-production. Yep. Um... And we did like a half hour sit down with Kevin, which was really awesome. I got to, got to answer. Uh, Feed, ask him not I... heart. <laughs> Just want to clarify right, that. Right, yeah, I forgot. Okay, heart cool. is the the Kevin of this oh, show. Obviously, number one Kevin. Feed is number two. When is Kevin going to be in a Marvel movie? You never know. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I would watch that. He has Captain Underpants coming out, uh, so he already sort of has a superhero <laughs> thing. But that uh, is true. But yeah, no, we saw a lot of cool stuff. Kevin uh, answered all of our, our questions. Mm-hmm. He didn't he didn't dodge anything. No. Um, and and he sort of alluded to the fact that there were the, uh, that there was a director for Captain Marvel that would be announced soon. Mm-hmm. And I swear to God, I was in the room with him. I was next to him, and he said our director announcements will be made soon. And no one picked up on this, and the S stuck out to me. Yeah, plural. But then I was like, oh, maybe he just misspoke. Like I'm not. Sure. So, anyways, maybe I, he's developed a lisp. Right. Well, when there's when there's blood in the water, yeah, that that's when the sharks come to play. Yeah. So I was going to say that's when you the see a doctor. Next day, I was just. <laughs> <laughs> you need to go and see a health practitioner. The next day, I was texting all my sources, trying to figure out what was going on with Captain Marvel. Uh, you know, I kept getting referred back to that original shortlist that was reported with Nikki Caro, who went in on uh, who went yep. on to get uh, the Mulan job, mm-hmm. and then Lorraine Scafaria and Leslie Linka Gladder. And I, I knew I was close and but I just wasn't close enough. Uh, in fact one one of my sources was like, oh I heard that they got a guy and that kind of threw me off. I was like, what? I know that they want a woman for this, but what I wasn't thinking, my blind spot, was the rare male female directing combo. And Very sure rare. enough the next day, our buddy Justin Kroll of Variety dropped this one, and it was a doozy, folks, mm-hmm. and I love it. Ryan Fleck and Anna Bowden yeah. to direct Captain Marvel. Uh, if you don't know who they are, they are the directors of... A lot of, of people didn't. 
Yeah. No. Like, why are they teaming up these two people that we don't know to well, make a movie? Well, we ha- we're going to have a big discussion about that because yeah. it, it was quite the talking point in my office. But uh, but I love Ryan and Ann. I I've, I partied with Ryan uh, at the Ivy Film Festival. Okay. Where uh, where he brought Half Nelson before it was even released. Mm-hmm. Great Half movie. Half Nelson is amazing. Mm. It's a masterpiece. I don't. I don't. I can say that. Some of uh, Ryan Gosling's best work as it, well. It, I think it is Ryan yeah. Gosling's yeah. best work. Uh, they went on to do Sugar, which is a really great baseball movie. And again, you make a movie with with Ryan Gosling. Like, what a weird follow-up to go do this movie Sugar with no stars. Mm-hmm. That was really good. The next two movies didn't work quite as well. It's kind of a funny story with Zach Galifianakis. Which mi- is a great movie. You think so? I love that movie. Oh, it no. did absolutely nothing at the box office, but I loved it. Yeah. I saw it at the London Film Festival many years ago. Uh, I guess, you know, I see how it could speak to, to certain people and it addresses... Do you mean people who are wrong in liking it? <laughs> I, is that what you're saying? I was going to say mentally ill people or people struggling <laughs> no, with some brilliant. kind of mental illness. I, I thoroughly enjoy that movie. Uh, and then Miss, Mississippi Grind, which I know has a lot of fans. I didn't particularly love it. But I do recognize that there's something special about these two. Yeah. Uh, and I, when I saw the news, I was through the roof. I thought this was incredible. What did you do? I mean, what did you think? I think, I think it's great. I mean, it's a really shrewd move. It's completely unique, and it sets the movie out in an, in another way from all the all the other stuff that is coming out that's superhero related. I think it's a really good idea. I like. I mean, I, I like the fact that his, his a lot of his stuff, as you say, from Half Nelson and and stuff like that. It's it's dramatically strong, but it's quite kooky. It has that indie edge to it, which I think will be really quite fun. Um, and I think to have that that female approach to it, I think will be to have that level of understanding and that kind of involvement in the character i think will be interesting too and you know not action sequences had in like fate fate of the furious kind of like action sequences but things scenes that need to be particularly dynamic as well as dramatic i think that actually be a really good pairing it's an outside the box hire Mm. and no point did i ever think that i didn't even consider them um can you imagine when they got that call because the the scale of stuff that they've done previously is not big budget marvel movie and then if you if they got that call and they're like Who's this? Are you? What are you joking? Is this? It's like a prank. Well, that's sort of what Marvel said, though. When when I was up there, is that yeah. they have a team that sort of, you know, can do the, these big budget effects and and the action sequences. Mm. Like they want someone who will bring character to the movie, yeah. and and are they're focused on character and story. And so, in that regard, I think it's a great hire. Now, it was met with some derision in my office. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have a very young staff. They're very politically correct, and they really wanted to see a woman direct this solo. And they felt like it was a slap in the face that Marvel is hiring. You know, is like like they didn't trust a woman to direct the movie on her own, so she needed a guy there to babysit her. You see, I, no, I, I was, could not. I I couldn't believe this I kind reaction. Of, I I get that point of view. It's not a point of view that I agree with, but Disney have, especially currently, and obviously looking at Marvel as part of the the, the Disney empire, have a a very strong track record right now of getting women to direct movies, especially when it comes to female characters. So it's not as if they're wimping out and going, oh, I don't know if we can give a woman a movie that's got a female character as the lead. So, you know, they have invested in that already. So I don't think... It's like they don't trust a woman to do it because they trust a woman to make plenty of other female stories or female focused stories right now. I I, I just you know Kroll uh, was tweeting about it yesterday too. He, yeah, uh, he was sort of addressing you know some of the criticisms. Um, 
It's not like, hey, we found this female director, and but we don't really trust her to do a movie like this. Let's bring in a guy and, and stick them together and make them work together. These two have been yeah. making movies. They are a team. Yeah, they're making movies together for years. Uh, you know, as Justin said, it's not like they were paired together for this film. They've been together since they graduated NYU. So stop accusing Marvel of, of not trusting a woman to direct this. It comes off as petty and ridiculous. This is an awesome choice, and I completely agree. Yeah. Um, uh, Justin also said that Marvel had met with uh, Marty Noxon and Lucia Aniello. Aniello? Okay. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce that last name, but she's the director of Rough Night, the Scar Joe movie. Ah, that's yes. coming out okay. this summer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Marty Noxon did the anorexia movie To the Bone. She's a, long, a veteran screenwriter. Mm. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, 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 just, I just love this. And, and maybe we'll even get to see Ryan Gosling enter the Marvel Universe. What if they went back to him and could get him as, like, a villain? That would be awesome. We've never seen Gosling as a real villain, have we? No. Well, I okay. guess in Place Beyond the Pines. But you're, you're rooting for him in that yeah. movie. Um, I think it's also, when you're talking about, you know, the, the, there was the debate in your office about, you know, oh, they don't trust a woman to do it. Um, I think certain. also, if, if it had been a female director, there would have <laughs> equally been people on the other side of of the kind of the table who would have gone oh so it's got to be a woman has it a man they couldn't do they the said job that it was going to be a woman yeah. like and they were right because she is part of the partnership she is 50% of the directing team so they were right i don't think it's a I'm slight by having a man in there at all no they're no. both going to bring completely different things to the project yeah. But in in a way that there is synergy. It's not like they have taken two people who don't usually work together and gone, oh, the man is going to be the training wheels. Right. Just in case the woman gets all, you know, woman-y. It, it, you know, they haven't done that. These are people, as you say, who work together, have a chemistry. They are a team. That I doesn't make... It's, it's an odd argument to me. Yeah. I kind of I, understand the logic behind it, I think, but I, I don't agree with I it. I think it's great news uh, for the Marvel Universe, and I'm really excited to see uh, what Fleck and Bowden are going to do yeah. with this movie. And it'll be interesting to see, actually, if we then see, um, say, Warner pick up on teams of directors and that, that kind of thing. Because Marvel have had success with... Now, this is not the first... Obviously, it's it's the first male-female pairing of, of directors, but they have had pairings before russo brothers which have proved out very Good very point. successful and fleck and Bowden, which i didn't realize they have done a lot of work in tv recently yeah uh, i think on the affair mm-hmm. and potentially billions is the other one yeah so uh yeah, one Mar- which is marvel, more male focused and one which is more female focused marvel continuing its its you know uh, track record of, of pulling yeah. directors from television though yeah uh thumbs up thumbs up yeah i i'm i, I it's certainly in, not being that familiar with captain marvel it makes me. It appeals to me more as an interesting director choice, the, which is what Marvel are doing more and more. The concept art looked really cool. Uh, Great. I dug her costume. She had like this shortish blonde hair mm. in, in the, you know, uh, artwork that we saw, and, and that could that's all subject to change now that uh, Ryan and Anna are aboard. But um, it was a good presentation that they put on, and then we got to see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Now I'm not sure what we're really allowed to say. Only reactions, I, right? Not I, reviews. I think that you and I were both uh, mixed on it. And because yeah. and because we were mixed, and everyone else was so effusive with their praise, mm-hmm. we looked like negative. We looked more in the negative camp, like we looked like the party poopers. And I'm I don't feel like but, like that. No, but also uh, uh, it is our job as journalists to be honest about what we think and not just say. I know people who think that literally every single film they see is fantastic, is amazing, and part of that is because they don't want to upset 
the filmmakers or the cast. The problem is that they just are so enthusiastic about movies, and they just yeah. Well, that's it's like they great. grew up reading these comics, and all they've ever wanted for fifteen years is to see Ego, the Living Planet, yeah, on the big screen, which is absolutely fine. But you have to you have to step out of that sometimes and yeah. be just really honest. And what do you think? And you know, I think we come say that we both enjoyed the film. Yeah, but there were things about it that we felt were lacking. Um, we tweeted about it. Right. Uh, now, I maybe went a little bit overboard. I, I, you know, I think a lot of people put out one or two or three tweets. I put out like eight or nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe two of them were positive. The, mm-hmm. the rest sort of focused on the film's flaws. Um, and, and so, yeah, I got, uh, I got a talking to about that. And, and, and I see that you know reviews were embargoed. I had given the movie two and a half out of four stars, which yep. I guess is, is entering review territory when you're putting a star rating on it. Star ratings associated, are associated with reviews. So I did d- decide to delete that tweet. Nobody asked me to or told me to. I deleted it on my own and then you know tweeted out a public apology to Disney and Marvel and James Gunn. Uh, because whether I felt like I did it or not, in, inadvertently or not, they felt like I broke the embargo. Mm. And uh, I don't, you know, you know we're, we're partners in all of this. The yep. press and the studios, and I don't want them to feel like that. I want them to have a good relationship with those guys. So I, uh, you know, tweeted an apology. Yeah, I mean that. That said, I I, I I see that viewpoint on that. So we can talk about this for a minute. Yeah. I, I see the viewpoint that adding the star rating does make it more of a review. Yeah. However, I did see a number of tweets that were and people who tweeted repeatedly a number of times a series of tweets. Right, were very that, positive. Right, that were a lot. Of, well, a lot of them were very positive, but also it, it went into the film in quite some depth of what they liked, what they didn't. Which, even though I do get the point of view that yes, putting a star rating in it is you know, is kind of going towards review territory. Right. But I think when you do three or four or five tweets where you point out what you did or didn't like about a film, 140 characters is is a, is a thought, is a, a little nib, a little right. blip. If you do three or four tweets continually to say what you liked about and what you didn't, that to me is more like a review. But So here's the thing. How many tweets equals a review? Like when they say you I can would go... Say one one is, a, is a response, one is a reaction. Mm-hmm. I think if you then, if you need to spread it out over multiple tweets, it's fine. If you need to do one to say what you liked and what you didn't like, that's kind of, for me, that would be on the edge. Okay. But I think, to be honest with you, a reaction, which is positive or negative and some sort of justification in 140 characters, that to me, I would consider a reaction. Well, I think that's the the, the but, part of the discussion that I had with yeah. Disney. How many? It's like how many licks does it take to get to the, to the inside of a Tootsie Pop? How many tweets... Tips it over from reaction to yeah. review. Is it that sixth tweet that uh, now that makes this a review? So th- that is the danger. I'm just saying with studios saying you can react to the film on social media, just don't write a review. To me, that just means I don't want to see a story on your website. You know, yeah. I don't. There shouldn't be a URL on your mm-hmm. website. Twitter, you, you can't write a review on Twitter because that those don't get tweet like those don't get quoted in in ads as reviews like you wouldn't say oh go see my uh, my review on twitter.com mm. like those are reactions. no you wouldn't but i think when you when it becomes i'm basically, not even a critic well i mean i think when it comes to what is effectively a a mini monologue on twitter i think then it does become borderline review you don't have to do a 300 word piece to make it a full review i think if you sort of you know go into it in quite some depth i think then it does become within that format of what you are allowed to do that does become somewhat of a review i just think studios need to uh understand the you know journalists are looking to to we're going to go right up to the line, mm-hmm. essentially. So unless it's clearly delineated, yeah. where you can say, all right, you get to react in one or two tweets, 
But beyond that, you know, you're embargoed. Like, they just need to be more specific. Yeah. Because they're leaving it open to interpretation. And I think that's what got me, but also me then, in trouble. But then I think they'll be <laughs> coming at it from the other side. If you do, and this is not just a Disney or Marvel thing. This is right, a, no, this across, is, we're talking about all across studios. studios. Right. Um, so it's really, it's by no means having a go at Disney or Marvel in any shape or form. Right. I think if you then get into the position, if you're a studio and you say you can have one tweet, which is 140 characters, then people are going to go, oh, what are you? The Twitter Nazis. Yeah, you're going to get that other side. Don't tell me what I can tweet or not. Well, so it's kind of, it's a difficult position for them to be in to then stipulate and say, you're allowed, each person is allowed one tweet, which will not count as a review. Because we, we encounter this kind of thing on a, on a regular basis. Right. And people, when we go and see films, like many other critics, and probably more so other critics, or journalists, let's use the phrase journalists, when they know that we're going to see a film, they want to know what we think about it. Now, whether they agree with us or don't agree with us is completely up to them. And to be honest with you, they're probably either going to see the movie or not go to see the movie regardless. And Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 will, by the sheer fact of what it is and the success and popularity of the first film, be a massive success. I would not be surprised if Guardians of the Galaxy goes on. It's going to open strong and it very well could go and you know get around the billion mark without much difficulty at all. So this is not going to affect the box office whatsoever. That's the thing. It's like, you know, what are my... Are my tweets going to keep people from buying tickets to this? Come no. on. But oh. I think, you know, that there are, whether your film is Citizen Kane or Nine Lives, there are going to be people, or, or white girls, where there are going to be people that think your film is the best film they've ever seen, or they just don't like it. And you... I just felt like I was singled out a little bit because the reaction was mixed you know well it, it um, was I, I think i could have gotten away with a hundred tweets if i was saying how great it was okay that's uh, what i'm saying well we, we're not allowed to review it but here's my thoughts on on the whole I just, well a lot of I people was gonna ask you one question some, about okay, it, but go ahead cool i think the thing is that marvel have set the bar generally so high with their films that if you're constantly motoring at about 90 percent and you're anything less than 90 percent so you're either not as good or equal to, then people are going to react and go, oh, I think it's a it's a, a lesser film. And that is by no detriment of saying it's a bad film, don't go and see it or anything like that. And I think Marvel generally, they set the bar very, very high with these films now. So it's a, it's a high standard to meet with every single movie that any director or any producer or any cast put out there. Because I think, the standard is so high. I think they're just genuinely surprised when people don't love their movies. Um, well, I know people that, that really didn't like Beauty and the Beast, and I thought Beauty and the Beast was great. And it's like, okay, cool. Here's the uh, We're going to move on to the, yeah. to the news in a second, but last question. Did you think it was better than the first film? No. Neither did I. All right. Uh, but we, there, uh, full reviews are, I think, it's until the right. 24th, we can't right? So we can't get into any more of it. Um, the reactions were largely positive. Yeah. People really liked it. That's the movie. not difficult to find. Uh, and, in, and in good news, uh, James Gunn is going to be coming back for Guardians 3. Which I'm really pleased about. He will be writing really and directing. He also has indicated this is going to be the end uh, for this incarnation of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Which I think is a good thing as well. Yeah, to leave them wanting more. Leave them wanting more. Have it as a trilogy. I think it works really well. You can round stories off. Things from the first film and things that will happen in the second right. film that you, we can't talk about. But, um, yeah, I think the three is a really solid number. It's worked well for characters like Iron Man. <laughs> he's not at three. I mean, he, he has, well, there's he's three Iron Man movies. movies. There are three Iron Man movies. Yeah, but it also doesn't mean that we would see the last of the Guardians characters in other Marvel movies. I didn't even know until he said it that uh, Kevin said that Chris Evans will have played Captain America once a year from 2011 to 2019. 
Wow. He, like that is I mean, true. Yes, because even Wait, you know, no, even true. like Spider-Man: Homecoming, which yeah. you know, Captain America is in like a little TV spot. Mm. Um, you know, and I think he has a very tiny appearance in Thor: The Dark World. That those still count. Mm. Uh, so that was that was a crazy little stat. Um, anything else in the Guardians universe? Uh, I don't think so. We I mean, yeah, kind along. kind of. What? No, it's not actually. It's 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 DC. I'm a I'm a moron. All right, let's move it along yeah. from Captain Marvel. Okay, let's go over. Let's go over to the other Burbank studio. Let's go to Warner Brothers. Sure. Uh, talk about Joss Whedon. Obviously, we found out um, a couple of weeks ago that he was going to be directing Batgirl. You know, great, really excited. And we have had the discussion on the show recently about whether or not it was going to be a uh, a name that was going to play Batgirl. Whether there were a lot of names were bandied around. Numerous sites have put together lists of ten or fifteen people that they basically women that could do a job. Um, women that can act between a certain here are age. some actresses <laughs> between a certain age um, which are all you know interesting to read you know I'm not going to detract from that but there's a lot of them around they're, they're and not, they've usually like, got the same names they're on not them. that interesting to read but go on yeah, but yeah you know there are people that get you know particularly excited about it um, but now basically he's come out and he said that he's not going to it's, it's, it's highly unlikely that it would be someone who's a name now from that, do you take it someone who's going to be not a name in a, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, Tom Holland kind of way, so someone that's been around for yeah. a little while? Yeah. Or do that's you think it's going to be unknown? I think it's going to be the former. Yes. I think it's someone who's done Aaron Reich, some Tom stuff. Holland, right. it's not, yeah. It's not, it's not going to be a worldwide casting search and we're going to pluck it's some... It's not going to be a Saturday uh, night reality show. Turkey, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although, I hear the baristas in Turkey are very, they very good. And are quite keen coffee. to leave right now. <laughs> um, so maybe, maybe there will be an yeah, influx of... N- <laughs> newcomer is, is a loose term in Hollywood. <laughs> it's like if you're yeah. not Brad Pitt, you're a newcomer. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I think it'll be interesting, which does kind of slim it down a little bit for who it could be. But I think it actually makes it more interesting. I would rather see someone who's done a couple of things rather than loads of things. I think we're I, a ways away from a background. I think we are. Um, or maybe Justin will drop something later. Or you won't yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, <laughs> everything we talk you about know, on the show, Kroll ends up reporting <laughs> a half an hour after it wraps. Ten fifteen. Like, <laughs> God damn you! Um, Whedon did give Marvel a heads up on he this, did? and and they kind of gave him their their blessing. It was like a go with God kind of thing. Great, classy move though from Joss giving them the heads up because mm-hmm. he knew uh, that that obviously Kevin and Marvel would be asked about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And and to uh, Kevin's credit and everybody, they um, I would say that was the only topic that he did not really want to get into mm-hmm. uh, at the Q and A was was just talking about DC. Like obviously, the, you know, we're, he's very aware that there's a a rivalry of sorts, yeah. but uh, he he very classly uh, classly deflected those kinds of questions. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is kind of fair. Yeah. No, absolutely. You know, otherwise it gets a little bit schoolyard. It's like, well, he said this. What do you think? I'm right. It becomes like bulletin board material. Tit for tat. Blah, blah. Um, Warner Brothers. Yeah. Also one of the studios bidding Mm -hmm. for the rights on James Bond. Yes. It's Warner Brothers, Universal, Mm -hmm. Fox. Yeah. Sony's trying to bring it back. Yeah. And then a surprise entrant mm-hmm. in the mix is Megan Ellison's Annapurna Pictures, yeah. which has been staffing up recently, and they are going to be getting into the distribution game uh, with Catherine Bigelow's next film, uh, Detroit, which comes yeah. out in August. That'll be their first film that they are releasing proper. Simon, what should happen to James Bond? If you're the uh, Broccoli's, like, what do you do? Well, they've had a long-running relationship with, with Sony, um, and I think it never hurts to have a shake-up. Um, I, Universal have a very 
a very strong tradition right now of handling franchises pretty nicely, as do studios like like Warner Brothers. They do they, they can do a really good job with things like Harry Potter. So I think Universal would be a really good home for it. However, I think when it comes to sort of action-based movies, action dramas, I think their radar's been a little bit off. So I Jason Bourne? Yeah. So I don't think that might be the perfect fit. I would I think with the kind of bond that we're looking at in you know in in in, in the this time, I think um Annapurna might be a really it would be a gamble, but I think it might be an interesting because they would not be afraid to go with something that is grittier, slightly more edgy, take a slightly different distribution model on it. Uh Fox I think I don't really see Bond fitting uh, Fox. I, I, I don't know what you mean by, by fitting. I mean, the thing about this franchise is that it is for bragging rights. Yeah. Uh, it, it, is, it will get you a large part of the market share mm-hmm. at the end of the year. It'll bump up your grosses. It is a tentpole that you can build the rest of your schedule around. That's why they call them tentpoles. Yep. But financially, you're not going to make much money off of this. No. You know, Sony, if... If Spectre had performed like Skyfall, mm-hmm. Sony would have been would have been in line to make thirty eight million dollars total, mm-hmm. and it didn't perform like that. So mm-hmm. they made less than thirty eight million dollars distributing a fucking James Bond movie. Uh, the deal, you know, with Eon is that MGM own has uh, domestic distribution, but they are not distributing movies. So yeah. MGM partners with a studio now in, in with the Sony deal. MGM drove a pretty hard bargain. They got kissed into all these other movies, like 21 Jump Street, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. So that is the same deal that is going to be on the table here. Any studio that wants James Bond Mm. is probably going to have to cut MGM into some of their tent poles. Like, you know, if Warner Brothers really wants James Bond, are they going to give MGM a piece of Ready Player One? Or, you know, a lot of the franchises that are up there? I don't know. Yeah, that's an option. I mean, when I talk about Fox actually not having, you know, I don't think it's the right fit. I'm just suddenly occurred to me about things like the um, the Alien Legacy. Um, maybe that would be, but it's like what, these guys don't even have creative input in these movies, really, right? I mean, it's e- Eon has control of every line of dialogue, every casting decision. Yeah, so but it's I'm really, how it's they, really how just they the marketing. It market it's the marketing it. and distribution yeah. teams. That's it. Now, Annapurna. Uh, people, you know, some variety reporters, when I had sort of mentioned the possibility of how cool it would be to see Annapurna get these rights, some variety reporters were like, yeah, but they've never distributed a movie of this size before. Well, they've never distributed any movie, but all these executives that they have hired in the last couple months, they do have that experience. It's not like these people Mm. have never handled anything like this. It's just the company hasn't because it's so young. And also, Bond kind of markets itself. You just have to come out with a really creative way of putting putting glitter on it to make it shine. It's all going to really depend on whether Daniel Craig is back. You know, I, mm. um, I think that that will have a lot to do with where uh, this franchise ultimately winds up. Excuse me, I'm dealing with some heartburn this morning. I took I took a Tums, so yeah. I, I, ate, I had I had a wonderful meal at Moza last night. It was delicious. Oh, that's, that's you ever been there? Yeah, it's dude. It's like two yeah, blocks from my apartment. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, James. Don't Bond, worry, I didn't want to meet up for a meal what, or anything. What I was, was just sitting at home on my own, <laughs> crying, going, "Oh, it's Jeff was local." <laughs> what was interesting? Who were you with? Anyone exciting? Oh, just some friends. Oh, okay. oh some friends, uh, but not me. <laughs> okay. Oh, so, some I real you. friends. I, I knew I was going to see you this morning. <laughs> uh, 
Jane, so the interesting thing about the, the New York Times one. report is that is that uh, Eon's only looking for a one film deal right now, mm-hmm. and I wonder if again that has something to do with Daniel Craig. You would think that with you know if they had a new if they were going to cast a new Bond, yeah. they would be looking for more of a multi pictured deal like a longer term setup. Uh, so yeah, uh, I mean I don't know what's going to happen with James Bond. This is what I think will happen. I think if Sony doesn't get it back, and mm. to me, why wouldn't you go with Sony because they elevate? This was a I'm sorry, this is a garbage franchise when Sony got their hands on it. Yeah. A garbage sure. franchise coming off the Pierce Brosnan movies that were increasingly ridiculous. Uh, I didn't really care for any of them. And then Casino Royale comes along and introduces a whole new side to James Bond. Yeah. Sony did a great job with this franchise. Yeah. Yes, it had its ups and downs. We're not detracting from Quantum Sony. of Solace, in fact, got, got fucked by the writer's strike. There yeah. was a really interesting piece online about uh, how the writer's strike affected that movie. Mm-hmm. And yes, yeah, Spectre was a letdown uh, after Skyfall, which was so good. But, but Skyfall's you have to any give franchise. Sony credit. Yeah. yeah. So it, so I think that they deserve a shot to, to make another movie. I think they do. If, if it doesn't wind up there... I feel like Warner Brothers has the movies, uh, you know, the the big projects to to kiss MGM into, and they have a great, uh, you know, marketing team. They always cut a great trailer, even if Warner Brothers movies aren't good. The trailers are always good. Well, here's something so. Sky, Sky said in the chat talking about Warner Brothers. Um, what about because obviously we haven't got a director for for the next Bond movie. Uh, if that went to Warner, maybe you could get a Chris Nolan. Chris Nolan, yeah. It's interesting to me that Paramount is not bidding on uh, on this movie because because Paramount needs franchises more than every more than anybody. Yeah, yeah they do. Uh, but again, because it doesn't make much financial sense, it's like if you're going to invest in, t- in a tentpole, don't you want something that you're going to get a hundred percent of yeah. the profits on rather than twenty five percent, which is what James Bond is? And meanwhile, you're financing fifty percent of it. Mm. The the numbers really are not good on this James Bond franchise. But I mean, personally, I you know I, I like I think it's it's healthy for there to be the vultures circling, but I think they're just circling because of. It's, it's been with Sony for a while. Right. Will will or will not Daniel Craig return? And I think there's a kind of things where there's a little wound there that they can see they can little maybe pick at and, and you know. And this this is probably the only chance in ten years, twenty years, they're going to get a chance to circle again and try and take a Bond franchise. I, I fully expect it to stay at Sony. The truth is, it doesn't doesn't matter because but it, it, it's yeah. a fucking logo, yeah. you know, in front of the movie. You know, it's not going to affect the actual movie that you see. From what I understand yeah. of the arrangement. Uh, staying at Warner Brothers, Clint Eastwood has sure. settled on his next movie. He it's has. a curveball. He was going to do uh, Impossible Odds, which was, mm-hmm. his, I think it was uh, Jessica Buchanan's story. Uh, and then, of course, in classic Clint fashion, changes track to the last second, uh, hopping from a plane to a train for the 1517 to Paris, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and oddly, this is about, uh, this is a story in which nothing really happened. Uh Three guys stopped a terrorist attack from happening. So I'm very curious how he will dram- dramatize that. I mean, it sounds like a really interesting story, mm-hmm. and shit. you get got a terrorist on a train with an AK-47. There's nowhere to go. Under Siege 2. <laughs> yes. Just saying. <laughs> Maybe they'll bring back Eric Bogosian <laughs> as the villain. As the villain. But yeah, on a, I mean, imagine yeah. that, though. If, if fucking gunfire broke out on a train, where mm-hmm. the fuck are you going to go? Well, the first the first half of the film will be the train being delayed, and so people just hanging out in a lounge yeah, you'll, at the train it's station. Setting up all the pawns on the chessboard. Up, yeah, putting all the characters. They're the guy who's about to start a new job, and someone else who's just had a kid, right. and it's his last day being a cop or something. You know, that kind of thing. And then you get on the train. Sounded like and, a great story. I mean, you don't need to... Yeah. <laughs> Blah, blah. Scene by Fill scene. it out. 
Enter screen. Listen, I, I've learned not to doubt Clint Eastwood at this point in in his career. He's coming off huge hits. Yeah. Uh, American Sniper was the biggest domestic release uh, when but it came know, out a few years ago, and then Sully was great last year. But I mean, it, you could look at Sully. I mean, one of his. I love that film, and I love Tom Hanks in it. You can look at that and go, eh? It's a guy who landed a plane. We know that story. Right, it didn't crash. Nobody died. Well, crash, how is this a movie? The big thing. But the best thing was the story that we didn't know around that. Right. Which then create, came the, the the bigger and better part. The, the plane crash was just the MacGuffin, and everything else that, was the that's drama. Why I'm and that totally, was the character. O- totally open to this to this train movie. It's Clint the, Eastwood. The fifteen seventeen or the what seventeen fifteen? No, it's fifteen seventeen to Paris. Does that mean the four fifteen in our time? Like, is that European time? Is that how they're doing it? What is the fifteen seven? Is that the number that of the like, train no, or like a three time? like three seventeen? The the plane left uh, the train left at like three fifteen in like. 24-hour clock. Oh, uh, I guess I... Yeah. I so it's know. like 17 minutes past three in the afternoon. I don't know if they if they switched it over there. So no. it would have been 17 would have been like, you know, 4 o'clock, 15. No. Whatever. Who gives a shit? What time this train leaves is going to be cool. Well, if you're trying to catch the train, you care. <laughs> Come on, ride the train. All right. Uh, so now he's back planes to and he's done trains. Do you think his next film is going to be in an, an automobile? automobile? Yes, exactly. That's what I think it'll, it will be. That trilogy. It'll be a, a lock sequel with Tom Yeah, Heidi. then there'll be a Segway spin-off. Meanwhile, there yeah. there is some kid out there, yeah, Middle Eastern kid, mm-hmm. who doesn't know it yet, yeah, but he's going to be the next Aladdin. Doesn't know it, and Will Smith mm-hmm. is in early, early, early talks to be his genie. Imagine having Will Smith granting you unlimited wishes. That, that'd be awesome. It'd be amazing. Yeah. So uh, yes, as the genie, or just as him, because I wouldn't. If he said, I wouldn't believe him. <laughs> Uh, the trades pretty much went with this. Uh, other, yep. other sites got told different things, but uh, it's it sounds like there is at least an overture. There's been an overture made to Will Smith to play the genie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, this is not like you know he had to turn down Dumbo because of a scheduling thing or whatever, yep. or maybe it was a money thing, depending on who you talk to. But this is voice work yep. uh, for the genie, and voice work pays really well, and it takes a very small amount of time. So, again... I, I feel like this deal will make. These are some big-ass shoes to step into. Also, if you look at the original movie, um, Genie was probably the bigger character. Oh, yeah. People don't... So, yeah, that's your tech star. That's a movie. Will Smith movie. Right. With other people in it. Yes, I, I agree. Great. And I think... That's he, why I think he'll do it. <laughs> and I think from his comedy elements as well, I think he's actually a really good replacement, taking a slightly different direction from, from Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, but but in a in a respectful if you, if kind you can of channel that early way. Will Smith, it's been a long time since I've seen a Will Smith that would be appropriate for the genie. But I know that that Will Smith lurks within him. Yeah, you know, like Fresh Prince, not the not the genie. pursuit of happiness. Will Smith, no <laughs> seven pounds, seven genie. pounds. Will Smith, but uh, so yeah, I, I, I like this. And again, if they are going with two Middle Eastern unknowns, essentially as as they said with the casting calls for Aladdin and Jasmine, yeah. you need a big star for the genie, and, and it doesn't get much bigger than Will Smith. So uh, another coup for Disney. Do you know who I'd like the parrot to be? Who Kevin Hart. Oh my god, I love it! I love it. Yeah. Do you know what I'd like Jafar so to be? fucking smart. Who? Harvey Feinstein! Oh, Jesus Christ. Come on! My friend just worked with him. He's a really nice guy. Yeah, yeah. he's probably awesome. Um, what else do we got? Let's talk about some fast. Okay. So... Did okay at the box office. Yeah, listen. So, domestically, it... it Made ninety eight point eight million. Yeah, that's what I understand. Yeah, now that is fifty million dollars less than the last one, which made like one forty seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is 
a pretty significant drop, and it also just missed that hundred million mark, which is like a psychological thing. Like you, you just you want a Big Ten poll like this to open to a hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, these movies are becoming more and more international plays, and this yeah. movie set the record for the biggest global opening of all time. So how can the press even be talking about it as any kind of disappointment? Simon, explain this. Um. I don't, I mean, we, we've discussed this previously on the show by the fact that there are a number of franchises, Pirates of the Caribbean is another one, where the majority of the money, we discussed this when we were waiting for Guardians to start uh, this week as well, um, the majority of the money for so many of these movies now, like I, from a considerable margin, it used to be like, you know, sort of 60, 40, that kind of thing. But now we really are looking at about 70% you know, high 60s, low 70% of money being made overseas. Right. So the fact that we see that kind of figures and stuff not reaching that 100 million domestically, it shouldn't come as that kind of surprise. And it's happening a lot. So it's not like it's a it's a blip. It's a, oh, what's wrong with this franchise that it's not doing it? It's becoming an increasingly common thing, unless you get those Enigma franchises. And also, you are far along in this franchise, which has upticked yeah. and downticked. It's kind of going... For That's da- the thing. There has to be a peak. And, and yeah. a $1.5 billion peak is a pretty good peak. You know, that, that was what Fury 7 brought in. And also, they've changed the dynamic of this film, where it was predominantly right. testosterone-y for, the, for the, the previous seven movies. And now we have seen some, some more female characters. We've seen some characters obviously leave due to the result of, of, of not being alive anymore, like Paul Walker and, and you know, Han people like that it's kind of like so we have seen a shift so this as they they said when it was coming out it's a new start of a new trilogy so you're naturally going to get some people who are going to find that a natural breaking point with leaving a franchise de-involving themselves in it and then perhaps re-engaging later on and you know we heard about the fighting on set we heard about this and changing the stories and the fact that it's gone like some of the bond movies just went so ridiculous like cars and submarines and that's what it's become yeah and some people are just like you know i'm gonna i might sit this one out it's happened previously in the franchise yeah and i think it's happening again i think though once it comes back i think a lot of people will pick this up not necessarily first weekend but they'll find out that it's a decent watch they'll pick it up second and third weekend and they will be back for nine and ten and i think they should end it there which is the plan i thought this movie was really missing paul walker um and, and also a signature it's a shunt, shift in you know, a major like part of the Fur- dynamic. furious seven uh, or wait which movie was it with the car jumping through you know, from one building to the next. I forget which one that was. God, was that five? I can't even five keep it all six? straight. But but this movie didn't seem to have that signature stunt where, like, oh, you have to see yeah. Tom Cruise on the Burj Khalifa or whatever or yeah. hanging onto the side of a plane. Uh, this had, uh, by the way, it had some really cool stuff. I, I, uh, I actually, I think, I forget who did the article. It might have been The Ringer. Um who looked into whether uh, uh, someone could actually take control of a whole bunch of cars like mm. in a city. Um, it sounded semi-plausible, actually, but it would be it proved to be pretty difficult. Uh, Cypher, Charlie Theron in this movie, just does it in a few keystrokes. Mm. But I, I really like that sequence, and I like the opening racing sequence in Cuba. There were things that I liked. I just, you know, uh, the family thing's getting a little old. It's becoming a parody of itself a little bit. So yeah. uh, I'd like to see them... I don't know, approach it a little bit differently for the next movie. I think that, as you say, it's moving away from that family thing. I think there are so many new characters that have been, you know, whether positively or negatively have been introduced. It has shifted that dynamic quite some way. 
this time round. Do you like that homage though? Uh, to at the end, to I Paul haven't Walker? seen it. Oh, you? I oh, haven't shit. seen okay, it. Okay, never mind. So I'm, I'm going to. I went to see it this week, but I, I didn't get time. But I haven't seen it. But I think. I mean, and I didn't get the buzz on the street for this one here. Certainly in in LA. I mean, the adverts were everywhere. Right. There's been saturation, but I wasn't getting. It's still. Listen, there's nothing coming out this weekend. It's still uh, a big hit. So we're not yeah, taking it's away do from another it. fifty or sixty million this yeah, weekend domestic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, I, I think that they're feeling just fine up there uh, at Universal. Dwayne Johnson confirmed, by the way, he is going to be returning for Fast 9. I there don't was think talk that, that he w- might not. I don't know where that talk came from. I think that's because uh, he and Vin were having some issues. He, he for better or worse, he has become the face of this franchise. Yeah, um, yeah it's not Scott Eastwood. <laughs> no? No. Uh, what else did we learn about The Rock this week? That he wanted to play Jack Reacher. Yeah, apparently he not. It was one of, one of the interviews he did on the on the on the press uh, tour for for um, Fate of the Furious. Uh, yeah, apparently he was at one point in talks to play Jack Reacher, and he he really quite fancied doing it, but he just it just didn't happen. Um, do you know what I? <sighs> I I do love The Rock, and I love watching his films. I have a huge amount of fun with them. And I always, you know, even if they're not great movies, I leave with a, a strong degree of satisfaction. But I think having him as Jack Reacher would have been a bit of a mistake, because I think yeah. that would have made him too much like many other action stars. I liked the badass, but elements of vulnerability and brokenness of, of Tom Cruise that he can bring as an actor that perhaps The Rock wouldn't have done the same Dwayne with. Johnson, much closer to, to uh, fitting... Jack Reacher's physical description in the books. Yeah. But listen, Jack Reacher, the first one, was great with Tom Cruise. So, no, I don't want to see... I, I would not have wanted to see Dwayne play that character. I mean, I think we all agree that there probably won't be a third Jack Reacher movie, which I'm kind of disappointed no. about because I like Tom Cruise's Jack Reacher. That second I did enjoy movie that, was, but I was think no that, good. That is not going to happen And now, speaking of things that aren't going to happen that, that people claim are going to be happening. Spendables 4? No. Uh, oh. You said that you, this is one of the items that you pitched this morning, that Man from Uncle sequel is being written? Yeah. Yeah, that's not happening. I really would like to see that. <laughs> Come on, you, you enjoy I, li- I yeah, like Man from Uncle. Man yeah, from that's Uncle. fine. Uh, Henry Cavill is very charming. Of I, I like Army Hammer. Of all the movies I've seen, okay, it, it, it underperformed, which was, a, which was something quite criminal. Um but of all the movies that I've seen as summer movies that I think deserve to have sequels because there's there's more to be done and more fun to be had, and they've established the characters, I think Man From U.N.C.L.E. was a prime example of that. I would love to see another story with those guys. And I didn't even like Man From U.N.C.L.E., the Listen, TV if, show. I didn't if, have any heritage with it. Justice League with, and, with Henry Cavill uh, is a huge hit, and Mission Impossible with Henry Cavill is a huge hit, and Tomb Raider with Alicia Vikander is a huge hit, maybe they go back to this well, you know? But... I don't see this happening anytime soon. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm still writing it. I'm not writing it. <laughs> um, I'm a little notepad. There, you know, uh, what was this? Oh, James Wan. Did you see this one yesterday? This is just a little a little thing. But no. Lionsgate picked up this movie, Smart House, that Alexander uh, Aha is going to be directing. Okay. This sounds crazy. It's a, it's about a, like a smart house, right. and, and a family goes into the witness protection program, and they stay there, and then some assassins come to take them out. And the house protects them. That's fucking awesome. Wait, can I uh, say something on that? Yes. Yeah, go for it. Smart House, that sounds exactly like an old uh, Disney Channel movie yes. that I used to, that I yes. watched. Yeah. But okay. this is going to be like badass, violent Smart House. I, I know that that idea has sort of been out there, but that you know, obviously there's been 25 years of technology. <laughs> now things are actually smart. Yeah. Smart cars, uh, self-driving cars, smartphones. So Smart House, I really like the idea of this. It's like Home Alone if Kevin wasn't there. Yeah. 
That's basically the pitch. Yeah. I. So that is, it has been a movie before. Yeah, I mean, not, yeah? not ex- exactly like that, but yes, there was a, a house that sort of uh, was the defender of a kid or a family. I don't fucking know. I didn't see it. I, I, I'm going to see I this. Do, I do like that idea. Yeah, it's fun. I do like that idea. HBO green, yeah. uh, is, is on the verge of greenlighting a new Fahrenheit 451 movie with mm-hmm. Michael B. Jordan and Michael Shannon. I saw this. Talk about a fucking pairing. And Ramin Barani directing, who did the great uh, 99 Homes, very underrated movie if you haven't seen that. That's a cool pairing, no? Yeah. The I mean, even if the film itself doesn't turn out to be any good, I mean, their interaction is going to be just amazing. That's a good listen. This is one of the classic stories, Fahrenheit 451, yeah. uh, based on the Ray Bradbury book. Yeah. Uh, this was this was one of those books in, in English class that mm-hmm. I actually looked forward to reading and enjoyed. Uh, you know, the rest the rest were all cliff notes. <laughs> but, what? But uh, I, I I love this casting, Michael B. Jordan, uh, and the idea of him working with Michael Shannon, who was obviously in Ninety Nine yeah. Homes. Uh, big fan of that. That's a great movie. I love seriously. Whenever that comes up on my little Amazon Prime. And I'm like, holy shit, that's a good movie. I totally didn't appreciate it at the time, but it was oh, really, Homes? It, yeah. yeah, and it I really mean, it didn't do it's the box office. It, yeah, it is, but I, it was so good, and that still to me is like Andrew Garfield's best performance. Um, but there you go, that's just me. Uh, okay, so uh, we talked about Man from Uncle's sequence, uh, sequel. We talked about Fate of the Furious being the biggest opening weekend of all time. Uh, last week when we started the show, we started off by watching the the trailer for um, Last Jedi. Yeah. Now, off the back of that, after the show had uh, obviously things continued at the, the Star Wars celebration in Orlando. Did you watch any of that stuff streaming? Or were you busy washing your hair? I don't have that problem. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so I, my hair. No, my I did hair? not. I did not watch any of Star All the way Wars down my back. celebration. Oh, I, I did because I'm uh, sad and lonely. Uh, yeah. So basically, we found out a couple more things. Uh, Han Solo. You know, a couple of weeks ago there was the debacle over Han Solo. We're right. Gonna we're going to hear his real how name. He got his name, or yeah. how he got his name, was the way that it was phrased. Right. Um, and then we're like, oh my god, Han Solo is not his name. What is it going to be? Hannah Saletto. Um, but no, it turns out basically when they referred to how he got his name is like how he developed his reputation of being Han Solo. We're going to find out some of that right. backstory. I gotcha. And also we have discussed this uh, at some depth and definitely there are people who discussed it online in way more depth than they probably is, is healthy. Yep. Um, the Last Jedi, is it Jedi singular or is it Jedi plural? It's singular. So we don't have to talk about that anymore. And and Ryan was kind of like clear that it's referring to Luke. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I don't know. We'll 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 see about that. I wonder if there's a curveball there. I'm I'm thinking whether it's like well, the merchandise is selling pretty well. He like intimated really that it was Luke, in but he never actually said the words. Yeah, it was like well, you know, like who who do you think we're talking about? You know, but. I don't know. For all for all I know, it looked like Ray certainly had some Jedi shit going on. Yeah. So um, we'll see. And speaking of Star Wars uh, actors, Riz Ahmed joined a new movie, The yeah. Sisters Brothers, which is going to reunite him with uh, his Nightcrawler co-star, Jake Gyllenhaal. Dude, Riz, J- on Riz Jake, Joaquin Phoenix, and John C. Riley. Mm. That sounds awesome. It's a superb cast, isn't it? Yeah, um, that's that um, shot to the top of my indies list. Riz was on the front cover of Time um, for the the hundred. I saw that. You know, by the way, what is with Time? And now it's all it's become a celebrity magazine. It's just like Spot here's it. here's the hundred most influential people, and by the way, they're all actors, and 
rather than get like normal people to write about them, we're just going to have actors write those stories too. Yeah, actors on actors, it's like becoming a variety thing. This is supposed to be time. It's supposed to be highlighting like doctors and teachers and other influential people, but instead, it's just another. You know, we're going to sell it with celebrities. Not, Not a fan. So boring. Not a fan. Well, no, but it's all about shifting units. You know, in the online business, it's all about clicks. It's all about the click, click, and the click. Oh God. Yeah, we're, we're, we're so fucked, our society. Let's. <laughs> well, that was a positive note. Mm. Um, did you see the trailer this week for American Assassin? Yeah. yeah well, I had seen it. It literally just got mentioned by, by Sky in the oh, chat. I think it looks good. Yeah, it looks so good. I am absolutely loving Michael Keaton's renaissance right now. Really, <laughs> really strong. Well, it is. <laughs> He's come back. I mean, literally, I fun of your pronunciation. he couldn't get renaissance. He couldn't get arrested. You're right. He now he's arrested. in everything. But he's fucking nailing it. Dylan O'Brien looks super intense. This yeah. looks like a, a young, born and training kind of movie. But, good. Uh, but what stood out to me is the terrorist attack at the beginning on like a beach resort. Yeah. You're like, there's nowhere to go there either. Like, like a train. Like, what are you, you going to get to run to the ocean and, and dive in? Otherwise, you're, you're just fucked. Do you know, I think it's really brave as well with, with, with doing. I think obviously we have to do movies about terrorism and we have to do things like, you know, this this mildly jingoistic looking um, sort of you know the equivalent of American Ninja. The, you know th- this is our two thousands version of that. But I think when you when you start movies or you have things like a terror attack on a beach as, as a big part of a of a movie, I think it's kind of like we we went back to obviously around nine eleven where certain films got pulled because unfortunately world events do tend to mirror or coincide with um, with things you know with, with events in the world. Um, and I think it is. It's interesting to see, and I think it is very reflective of what we're currently doing. Um, but I think, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see where that goes. I mean, whether that could backfire and they end up having to pull a film because something's happened in the world and it's not particularly tactful. I think it's a brave thing, but yeah. Uh, we got to wrap up the show cool. real quick. Uh, WGA strike looming. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm getting indication that it could happen, but uh, I don't think either one of us is really well versed in the issues enough to get into it right now. No, I mean we'll, we'll find out soon enough whether or not it's actually going to happen. And obviously, previously when there have been writer strikes, yeah. it's it's impacted the industry negatively on things like Quantum of Solace, right. Transformers. Sony, Sony and Amy Pascal picked up the Spec Princesses. Gina, my girl Gina Rodriguez mm-hmm. got cast as Carmen Sandiego in a Netflix show. She's going to be it's uh, animated. Yes. She's going to be voicing Carmen Sandiego. That's awesome for her. And then uh, our last item uh, before we sign off. Uh, J.C. Spink, manager and producer, yeah. died this week at the uh, very young age of 45. He was a buddy of mine. Uh, one of the most talented guys in town, a real character. Um, you know, someone, I think it was Scott Rosenberg on Facebook wrote a really nice thing about how there's no, not a lot of characters in our business anymore. Mm. Uh, the, the, the edges have been sanded down on a lot of people. Um, but JC always spoke his mind and I'll miss his, his big laugh and, uh, his insight on Hollywood. So RIP big guy. Um, that'll do it for this week's yep. episode of meet the movie press. Simon, where can the good folks find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Showbiz Simon. Facebook, this is Simon Thompson. And out this week is Free Fire. I did an interview with Ben Wheatley, the director of that film. That is on Forbes right now, so do check that out. And I wrote some Marvel stuff as well. And I am Jeff Snyder, editor-in-chief of the tracking board, tracking-board.com. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to read an interview with uh, unforgettable director Denise Denovi, which is actually uh, pretty interesting. Cool. That's going to be up later today. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at the Insnyder. Thank you, as always, for watching the Popcorn Talk Network. Make sure to rate, comment, subscribe, all that fun stuff, guys. Yeah. You'll be back next week. I will not. I will be ne- uh, here next week. Uh, no, no word on who the guest host will be, but I promise it will be a fun one. Have a great weekend, gang. 
producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, Christian Harloff, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network. We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of its owners or principals.